Hello everyone, this is Joey, the host of Voices of America's Veterans. Before we get into the podcast, got some information for you as usual. Got a couple of contact numbers if you need some help. If you're having a crisis or an emergency, you can always dial 911, which is your local emergency response. You can dial the Veterans Crisis Line at 1-800-273-8255. Press 1. It's the Veterans Crisis Line. They also have a texting option for 838-255. Get you in touch with people that can help you. A newer number, uh, organization that I recently became aware of, is AMVETS. They do a variety of veteran advocacy, uh, crisis intervention. They do a lot of good stuff. I could try and describe everything they do, and I would not do it justice. So if you if you need them, they are there for you. Number is one eight three three vet heal, or you can go to amvets.org. Uh, they got a website there. It's got a ton of information on it. And again, like I said, I've I've talked to a couple of the the higher ups in that organization, and they seem like very special individuals to me with what they've accomplished and what they're doing for veterans. So I can't I can't say enough good things about them from what I've seen and what I've experienced personally talking with them. So sounds like a very good organization, and they're there to help you with a variety of things. Again, they do crisis intervention, but they also help with day-to-day stuff, like helping with the VA uh, or other medical benefits questions, questions in general. They're there for you. So again, your local emergency response, 911. Veterans Crisis Line, 1-800-273-8255. Press 1 or text at 838-255. Or last but certainly not least, the professionals at AMVETS at 1-833-VETHEAL. That's V-E-T-H-E-A-L. And then if you want somebody to talk to, again, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a counselor. I'm just a person who cares very deeply about this subject, who is trying his best to reach out and be there and support his fellow veterans, you can get in touch with me. I'm on Twitter at J-V-E-R-H-A-L-E-N. I have a Facebook page. It's the same name as the podcast. It's Voices of America's Veterans. And I also have an email that I check on a regular basis. It's neveraloneneververgotten at yahoo.com. However you want to handle it, I'm here for you. If you just want to unload, I had somebody recently, that's exactly what they wanted to do. They literally just messaged me and said, hey, I'm having a hard time. I just want you to listen to me. And that's what I did. You know, if you want somebody to listen to you, I can be there for you. I would be glad to do that for you. If you want somebody to talk, we can talk it out. If you want to be on the podcast, I would love to hear you. I've said it on the podcast several times. I'm going to keep saying it. It is only recently that I've realized how much I've missed talking with veterans and having them be a part of my life and having that interaction daily. That's something that we're all missing these days, but I think veterans, I've said before, we're a vulnerable population. We need somebody with that shared experience. We need somebody that understands what we're talking about, and I will do my absolute best to be there for you in any way that you need me or I can get you in touch with somebody else but you have to take the first step reach out let me know again I'm on Twitter at Jay Verhalen Facebook same name as the podcast Voices of America's Veterans 
or email. The email address is neveraloneneverforgotten at yahoo.com. Uh, and you've heard her several times. I can even send you pictures of my two-pound dog that keeps making noise and sneezing and ruffling and everything. Uh, she's adorable. If that'll brighten your day, if that'll help you, I'm all about that. And now, on to the podcast. To all of America's veterans, someone is always listening. You are never alone, and you are never forgotten. Hello, this is Joey Verhalen, the host of Voices of America's Veterans. This is an extra special episode because I actually have a couple of my favorite people available. Uh, I have my wife, Sheila, who's been a guest on the podcast before. Go ahead and say hello. Hi there. And then on the other line, I have Brandy Benson, who I started reading her story and I started hearing about some of what she has going on. And I just made the pledge to myself, like, I've got to get in touch with this woman. So, uh, Brandy, why don't you go ahead and do a quick introduction? Yes. So I name, my name is Brandy L. Benson. Um, I'm a speaker, an author, and an entrepreneur, and a um, cancer advocate. And my goal and mission right now in life is to definitely spread awareness about Ewing sarcoma cancer, but to also um, provide resources and tools to individuals that have gone through traumatic events. Okay. And the reason we met, we made the initial connection is because you were an army veteran, correct? Yes, that's correct. Yes. Okay. Okay. So um, there's a lot to unpack, like right away with everything you just said. Yes. Um, uh, where, where, where do you want to start? I'll, I'll let you start and then I'll just kind of jump in and Sheila will jump in whenever she's ready. Um, okay. I can start at the very beginning. Okay. Um, so awesome. I, yes. I grew up in Nevada, California which is about like 30 miles away from San Francisco. And I had dreams and hopes of becoming a professional athlete. And um, I was really athletic growing up. I played on Olympic developing programs. I did CYO, AAU, select teams. So playing sports was just something that came super easily to, to me. And growing up, I wanted to play um, professional soccer or basketball. That was like my goal. And uh, one of the main reasons why I joined the military was, of course, to defend my country and serve my country, but was to also um, join the military and with, like, hopes of playing on the all-army team. So I was kind of promised that with one of the recruiters or uh, one of the individuals that was at my AIT. They said it would be something possible. So I ended up joining and doing all of that. And um, shortly after being... Uh, in AIT and basic training, I got sent to my main duty station. I was there for one month and nine days, and I got shipped to Iraq. And then I stayed in Iraq for about four to five months. And then that's when I got sick with Ewing sarcoma cancer, which is a very rare and aggressive cancer. And it's about 12,000 people uh, around the globe will get this type of cancer. And about half of them end up passing away. And um, it's, a, it's a childhood cancer. So people from, we'll say, like 6 to 14. And it's usually in um, uh, Caucasian little boys. So for me to get the cancer was, you know, it just didn't make any sense because I'm, I'm African American. I was 24 years old. And, I, you know, I'm not a boy. So when I got diagnosed with this, I was in denial for a very long time because I just you know, I, it, I just didn't fit the frame of what everybody was talking about and what I was reading online. But 
I ended up getting sick with cancer in Iraq, and then that's how everything started. And you know, my life just took a huge, drastic turn um, out of nowhere. So I was definitely not prepared to be getting sick with something like that at 24 years old. Okay, so <clears throat> excuse me. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I don't have a cough button. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, so initially, you you joined the army and you had big dreams and big goals for yourself. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you end up, you end up in Iraq, which no matter where you're at or what you're doing there, that is a less than ideal circumstance for any soldier. Yes. Well, what was it? Was it like a progression of things that told you that something was wrong or was it just all of a sudden your, your physical state just really deteriorated or what was it initially that told you that something was going on in this already bad situation? Uh, so it was, a, it was December, 2008. And I was really tired. And at the time, I didn't know that I had cancer at all. I had, I was just, that never crossed my mind. And that is one of the symptoms is extreme fatigue, along with the tumor that came up. But the first initial symptom was just being really, really, really exhausted. Like no matter how much rest I got, no matter how much time I took off, I was just so tired, like beyond exhausted. And I thought it was because I was deployed in Iraq. I'm away from my family. I'm in the middle of a war zone. It's, you know, it's the holiday season. Maybe I'm homesick. So I thought maybe it's just, you know, I'm just really tired and I just need to rest it off. And so I did initially, I just kind of slept it away for about a month. And then in January, I had been working out really, really, really hard. And one of the initiatives for getting like a, like a, like a, a 300, which is like you ace the PT score or the PT test. Um, if you ace it, you get days off. And I'm like, oh my gosh, all I have to do is get a 300 and I can get some rest. I can get caught up on my sleep. So I'm like working out like a mad woman. I'm going to the gym like three times a day. I'm working out like crazy. And then January comes around and I'm stretching and I had just done uh, legs and everybody knows legs is just like the worst to, to work out. So I'm doing legs or um, exercises and I pull my leg up to my chest and I'm stretching and I feel like this really large, solid, like protrusion sticking out of my leg. And I didn't think anything of it. And it's because I was really healthy. I'm in like the top shape of my life. I'm only 24 years old. And then I thought people that got cancer were people who were really old or um, they had bad you know, um, health or poor habits. And I didn't drink, I didn't smoke, I didn't do any drugs. So thinking that it might've been cancer that popped out of nowhere, never crossed my mind because I just didn't think I fit the frame of that. Um, but it, it definitely was something that was, um, detrimental to my health, but I had no clue, but that's how I all discovered everything. I was in Iraq. I was working out really hard and I was stretching one day and I noticed a lump sticking out of my leg. So, let, let, let me back up just a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you talk, you talk about the extreme fatigue and the, the military mindset is very well documented. You know, I mean, more often than not, if you go to your chain of command, the answer is suck it up. We're all tired. Oh, you yeah, know, we've yeah. got a job to do. Yeah. So you, so, so uh, you, you dealt with that a lot initially before, you know, you realize there is something wrong. Oh, well, I really didn't tell anybody that I was so tired. I mean, I, you know, complained to my, you know, my battle buddies and stuff and told them I was so tired. I'm exhausted and stuff. And they just, 
everybody's tired. Everyone's exhausted. So it's just like, it's normal. So I didn't really complain to my chain of command or my NCO because everybody's exhausted. We're all tired. We're in the middle of war. You know, we're getting bombs. So I didn't complain necessarily to my NCO, but like to my fellow soldiers and, you know, but battle buddies, I was explaining to them that I was tired, but they were also tired. So we were all exhausted. They're going on convoys. We're getting bombs and, and mortars. You know, we're getting um, we're getting hit with stuff. So everybody's on, you know, pins and needles and we're all really exhausted. So I just thought it was just because I was in the middle of war. Okay. So, okay. So now moving forward just a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You, you talk about, you know, the 300 being a perfect score on a PRT, uh, on a physical readiness test, what we call it in the Navy. Mm-hmm. Uh, was, would that be something that would normally be within your capabilities? Oh, yes, 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 yes. I've yeah, been you... my entire life so athletic. I've been really competitive just physically. Like any physical activities was just a like a breeze to me. But I really wanted that 300 because I was so tired. So I was going extra, extra, extra hard. Right. Now, just for the just for the lay person, um, you know, I wasn't always in the best shape, but the best, the absolute best I did I ever did on a PRT. I can't remember the exact number, but it was between a 280 and a 290. And I was working out like, like you said, I was working out like crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was doing mixed martial arts and jujitsu. I was working out, you know, during the work day. So that perfect score is not easily achievable by most people. Right. Right. And something else, something else you said, you know, you had aspirations for the, for the all army team, mm-hmm. you know, and you know, each branch has their own version of those different teams, but the, that easily, at least in my experience and the people that I've talked to, I mean, that easily equates into like a major college team. So, oh yes, yes. so you're easily you're you're easily a collegiate level athlete if you're aspiring to be that, and that's within your grasp. Right, and I forgot to mention, I did play soccer in college uh, before I joined okay. the military. Yeah, I so I ended up dropping out of school to go to the army in hopes of, you know, playing on a bigger, grander scale and then having school for free and defending my country. And, you know, you have a job. I just thought it'd just be like the best thing to do. (laughs) I thought it was going to be so amazing. I was so excited. And then I went straight to Iraq and I'm like, oh my gosh, I did not think that I was going to be doing this. Not so soon. You know, I just graduated from everything. I could like barely learn. I just learned how to throw the grenade, shoot a M16, manhandled the the 50 cal. I'm like, oh my god, I don't know if I paid attention, you know, enough in basic training. Like, oh my goodness. So, so that athlete or that athlete mindset, you know, that's another background that you have that's telling you, okay, you just need to push through this. You know, that's that's another reason why you're quite possibly not recognizing that something is wrong because you're used to just saying, okay, I need to push through this. I need to go, go, go. If you're, right. if you're that dedicated. Okay. So I just, I just want to make sure, you know, we set the stage that, you know, there, there is something very seriously wrong, but everything about you up to this point is saying, keep going, keep pushing, mm-hmm. you know, you'll get through this. Right. And you said that all kind of, that kind of that finally changed after you discovered the tumor on your leg. Correct. Yes. Okay. So. So now, I mean, I'm I'm not a medical person. So I mean, I can't really 
you know, too many, too many educated questions about the treatment, but I mean, from everything that you hear, it's never very pleasant. Oh no, it was terrible, terrible. I did a limb sparing surgery, which meant that they kept my leg, but they weren't sure if they were going to keep it. So for, for the longest time, um, we thought we were going to have, have to amputate my left leg. So I ended up doing limb sparing surgery. So I kept my leg. They removed my adductor muscle out of my leg. So I'm missing a huge portion out of my leg. I did chemotherapy about 101 times in 10 months. And I did, it was um, five days of treatment, eight days off, five days on, eight days off, five days on, eight days off. And I continued that all the way until November 11th. And um, yeah, I had to do a lot of physical therapy. I had tons and tons of you know, side effects and symptoms. It was, it was really hard. It was more so like mentally draining than anything. Like physically, yes, you know, you're tired, you're sick, you're throwing up, you don't feel good. But just like mentally, it was just so hard because you're just like watching yourself deteriorate. It was such a huge mind game. Right. And so, you know, ho hopefully up to this point, you know, we've established that you are a very serious athlete. You're obviously strong in body and you're strong in mind to get to that point. And you're a member of the military and, you know, you're talking about these other things going on around you that, you know, I mean, your life is being threatened mm -hmm. and not to be cliche, but now you're fighting a whole different fight. Yes. And you just got, you just talked about, you know, it's, it took a severe emotional toll on you. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I, I, I hope I'm not, you know, I hope I'm not picking a wound too much, but, you know, you go from being this athlete, you know, and now that's out the door. Oh. I mean, you're, you're severely physically compromised. You know, you're talking about, you're missing a good portion of your leg. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, is there, I, I, I don't, like I said, I don't want to, you know, pick a wound or anything, but is there any way you can like, just briefly describe, you know, like what that was like on top of everything else? Like, you know, okay. Not only if I do get through this with my life physically, I need to, I need to pick a whole new path. Yeah. I was devastated. So up to that point, uh, from six years old all the way to 24, I had been, you know, my whole identity was just playing sports and being athletic and really, really physically active in collegiate sports. And I, that's what my whole premise of life was just, I'm on this, this mission, I'm going to play, um, you know, for the all army team. This is my goal. And then when I'm told that I'll never run again, I'll never have the agility movements again, I'll never be able to sprint again. I'll never play soccer. I'll never play any kind of collegiate or regular sport with like, you know, un, um, people that aren't disabled. It was so crushing. I just, I was so sad. I was so devastated. I was depressed for a really long time. I had really bad anxiety. Um, I just, I was just, you know, it, it was just so surreal to go through through this, like one moment I'm okay. And the next moment I am somebody completely different. And now I have no choice, but to live this life that I didn't ask for. It was just so, so, so surreal. The entire situation was so surreal, but I ended up, you know, making peace with it and understanding that the life that I was trying to fight for in the very, very beginning of my treatment and, and um, going through everything and having the cancer and stuff. Like after everything was over and it was done, I kind of like 
realized that I was fighting for the old brandy, the old brandy that I thought was going to return and come back. And I kept saying, this is before, but I kept saying, you know, as soon as I'm done with treatment, everything's over. I'm going to go back to myself. And then one day it clicks and I'm like, oh my God, you know, I'm never going to be the, the old brandy. I, you know, I went through this traumatic event. I've gone through all of these um, physical therapies and these surgeries and I'm somebody, somebody completely different now. And I had time to, you know, make peace with that. But it was really, really hard to realize that this person I was fighting for for so long was, you know, dead and gone. That person is, is, it's, you know, it's not there anymore. It's, I had to, I had to let her go. But that was so hard as well to do that. That's interesting to hear you say that. Uh, Sheila, you had a question? Yeah, well, I had a couple of questions for you, Brandy. Um, first of all, I want to tell you, thank you so much for your service. Mm -hmm. And um, you are my hero. Oh, thank you. I, <laughs> I appreciate you so much. And um, hearing what you're going through and what you have gone through, um, you are such a warrior. Um, I had a question about, you know, when, from the time that you found your, you noticed the tumor to the time that you did come forward and talk to, you know, your chain of command, how long was that before you brought that up to them? It was about a month. So I started experiencing the, you know, the really tiredness around December and then I didn't say anything to my chain of command until December 17th. And as soon as I did, they sent me from my FOB. I was at this place called FOB Echo, which is 86 miles south of Baghdad. So as soon as I showed my NCO, he was like, you know, you have to go to the medics, go see what's going on. I show my medic, her name was Captain May, show her my leg. And she's like touching on it. They're prodding on it. They're pulling on it. And they're asking me does it hurt? You know, how long have you had this? And I'm like, I have no clue. It just popped out of nowhere. And they're like, you're immediately going to Baghdad. And I had to go get a CT scan. So I go from there to get my CT scan and I'm in Baghdad. And the, the doctor there, he informed me that, that there's blood flowing in and coming out and that they're not too sure what it is, but he suggests that I go get an MRI and in order to get that done, I have to go to Germany. And so this entire time I'm like bouncing from country to country, I'm thinking everything's just fine. And the further I get away from the war zone, that means the more sleep I'm gonna get and the more rest I'm gonna have. So I'm just totally with it. Like, I'm like, okay, when I go to Baghdad, I'll be here for at least a week. That means seven more days to rest. If I go to Germany, that's at least two more weeks to sleep. So that's three weeks of rest. Like my whole entire, goal was just get as much sleep as I could because I was so exhausted and I didn't know that I had this like thing festering in my body trying to kill me I just I was so naive to to the entire situation and I never knew anybody who had a tumor or had cancer in their leg like I never knew that was possible I thought cancer was like brain cancer breast cancer uh, lung cancer throat cancer like all the cancers that I've heard of I've never heard of anybody having cancer in their limbs or, you know, that, that just never crossed my mind. So that's another reason why I didn't think it was cancer, because I, I didn't even know you could get cancer in your leg. Yeah, it's amazing to see, you know, when we have um, diagnosis for, for many of our patients and 
they come up with something like blood cancer. Yeah. You know, it could be cancer in your blood yeah. or, you know, but it's made in, in, in the bones. It's just, mm -hmm. I just want, I was wondering because, um, you know, so many times you hear about veterans getting, um, or, you know, active duty getting, you know, looked over or, you know, as Joey was talking about, um, being, you know, you know, suck it up buttercup kind of mm -hmm. thing. And, um, it sounds like they were pretty supportive to you, which is really, really, um, reassuring. Um, but have, did they help you get through it as you were getting out or do you feel like, um, so, you know, so as soon as I went through, <clears throat> I went to, um, I went to Germany, I was in Germany for a little while and I kept in contact for quite a bit with my um, INCO and my chain of command and through email, let us know what's going on, you know, the, uh, the news and what was happening. And uh, I then went to Walter Reed and I was in Walter Reed for the 10 months. But when I was in Walter Reed, I had got released from my old unit and I was now attached to the WTU, the warrior transition unit. So I was there with them. And so I stayed with them for about a year and a half. And so I never went back to Colorado ever, never, ever, ever again. So my, my original duty station was Fort Carson in Colorado. Then I went to Iraq and that was the, the unit I deployed with. But when I came back to the States with cancer, I never went back to Colorado or my old unit ever again. And I never saw them ever again. A, a few people came up to the hospital and um, I, think one, I think it was my E6 or E7, one of them, I, think, I forgot his name, I can't remember. But something, Cersei, I think his name was Cersei, came up and he saw me. And that was the only time I ever saw anybody, though. That was it. I hadn't seen anybody mm -hmm. since. And then from uh, Walter Reed, I got out of that unit. I went to Fort, uh, Fort Stewart. And I stayed there for a brief moment, for like a year, two years. And then I ended up getting out again because um, I was just doing more harm than good. I couldn't run. I, you know, my leg was dragging, was really weak. I was a lot of atrophy. Just, I wasn't the same quote unquote soldier as I used to be. So I felt like it would be the best to just get out. So, um, with all of the treatments that you had, I know that you're, you're the, the brand ambassador for Bristol Myers. Mm -hmm. Um, so, but before that, has and we had tricare i guess you would have had tricare but um were were they they helpful with your medical bills oh and... yes the military paid for everything everything and my treatment i had so much chemotherapy i had so much i was in i was an inpatient the entire time so from february all the, all the way to november 11th is when i was able to walk out from that time frame, I was inpatient. I had multiple surgeries because um, my immune system was so suppressed that the stitches wouldn't heal, and they 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 would create these large holes in my legs. So I had, the holes. Um, you know, mm -hmm. I just wasn't healing up right. Yep. Are you there? Can you hear me? Oh yeah, you broke up there for just oh, a moment. Oh yes, yeah. Um, so the military ended up paying for all of my treatment. I. I'm so sure I spent well over $3 million in treatment for sure. For sure. All of my care, they took care of everything. They did an exceptional job with me. Um, I, 
I am so glad to hear that because I've heard I've heard quite a few stories recently from vets that I've reached out to that you know they were kind of they were either monetarily or emotionally left high and dry because mm-hmm. you know they didn't want their their chain of command for whatever reason chose not to support yeah. them or and then they you know their continued treatment you know was very hard on them and then the follow-up treatment through the VA they, they just had a very hard time so to for me to hear that that you were by 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 your account you know treated with the utmost respect and got every bit of the support that you needed and deserved that really makes me happy that I, I really mm-hmm. I really enjoy hearing that I you know, I obviously wouldn't wish that on you, but the fact that you were treated and respected through the whole process, it sounds. Yeah. And, you know, I, it, it makes me I feel think better. it might be because also, too, because it was like a really rare and serious condition uh, with it. So they didn't like there was no hesitation with anything. And even now with my care, they're really great. I mean, it takes forever sometimes to get these appointments. But if it's not something that's like like in dire need, then. Um, I get it right away, but it's, it's, a, I guess it's like a unique case. I don't know, but I have heard the exact same thing that, you know, they haven't got the, the best treatment or care or follow-up care and they kind of just get dropped by the wayside sometimes, but it is up to the individual to continue to pursue and, you know, um, make sure that everything's okay. And I'm a very, very, uh, big stickler now on my health and what's going on in my appointments and, and make sure I follow up when I'm supposed to. So I make sure I do my part as well. Yeah, absolutely. Do you have anything else? Have you been able to get in touch with other people with this rare cancer that you have and talk to them about your story? Yes, definitely. So I have a um, different social media platforms and I'll have a couple of people reach out to me. Most of them have a form of sarcoma a couple of them will have ewing sarcoma but yeah i have a ton of different um um individuals that i am friends with so we'll correspond back and forth and you know we'll talk and i make sure i give them my number if they have questions about anything i always make sure that i try to give them the best support that i can and the information that i know that's available and help them out with that but or they'll just they'll end up randomly i'll get random messages from people but yeah, I'm definitely in touch with uh, other people who are going through this or have survived it or um, patients of this. Yeah, I definitely am doing my part in giving back and being as informative as I can because that wasn't around when I was getting my treatment. There was no Facebook um, group that was for Ewing sarcoma patients. That was not, that wasn't anything that was not there. And to have this now, I think it's amazing. So I was also make sure to let people know that there are support groups and there are um, other uh, resources and tools that they can be using. And they have like endowment uh, programs with the, um, with the hospitals because some people can't afford these treatments, but some programs and hospitals have, the, have these large lump sums of money that are left for people with certain types of cancers. So I just try to be as informative as I can with these individuals and give them hope, you know, because cancer is a very isolating disease in itself. That's what I was kind of, you know, getting at when I asked you, you know, the question, because that sounds so 
amazing that you were able to go through that and then also be somebody else's yes. light because it is a very mm-hmm. lonely disease. Um, you know, and some people only have their their computer that they can talk with people, you know, um, and to have somebody on their side that um, is going through the mm-hmm. same thing and has such a positive outlook yes. that really helps them get through such a horrible thing when when it's happening to them, you know, and they're going through yeah. treatment and things like that. I'm really, um, I want to thank you for doing that for sure, for being you know, somebody that's in the medical field, um, and I see people all the time that don't have any. Isn't support. that just heartbreaking? Um, I think that is so sad. It is, and so you know, our our appointments are scheduled every fifteen minutes. But sometimes, you know, I'll have a patient come in there, and they'll sit there, and we'll talk about their situation for forty-five yeah. minutes. And you know, my doc's knocking on the door. Hey, you know, you guys about done? Yeah. Um, and because you know, we're behind now, but you know, I just want to give that patient my ear and, and support and know that um you know they're right not and that they have so yes. thank you so much for being of here. course and i will you know that's just my goal now i'm just i try to be here for people and let them know that yes there's like there's adversity and you might you might go in a, as an individual and you might come back as somebody different like um you lost a leg you experienced some trauma something happened to you so now you're a different individual but that doesn't mean you're anything less. That doesn't mean you're not beautiful. That doesn't mean you don't mean anything or you're less valuable. I just try to let people know that there's so much more life after all of this adversity that we've been trucking through or we've survived. And, you know, we shouldn't like live our lives um, to the fullest because of what happened in the past. So that's kind of, I didn't really understand at first what you said by you were a cancer advocate, but that's, that's what you're meaning when you say you're a cancer advocate, correct? You're, you're reaching out to these people, you're making them aware of the different, you said endowments and mm-hmm. so forth. And, you know, the, the, the resources, thank you, good word there, Sheila. <laughs> um, and I mean, for me, the big thing is you're making sure that they know they're mm-hmm. not alone. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's, that's, it's important. I had a lady who reached out to me. I don't remember her name. I think her name was Michelle and she's from the UK, but she ended up coming over here and visiting and she was here for on a visa and she can't go back because of the COVID stuff that was happening. I think she's from Australia actually, but her sister ended up reaching out to me and saying she got sick with cancer. She has um, uh, some sort of sarcoma. They're not sure what it is. And, they found my story, so they want me to reach out to the sister who has the cancer. So I reach out to her, and we're talking to her. She's, she's much older. She's like, I think she's 56, and she was saying how she just doesn't have the money to get this treatment. All her, um, you know, all her medical and care is, in, is you know, it's overseas, and she can't get back to her family. She's really scared she's going to die. How her leg is turning hard like a rock. I'm like, oh, my goodness. Goodness. So then I, you know, I explained to her that, well, there's these endowment fees. You have to get to these certain hospitals. If you can get to these hospitals, you can ask for these programs. Long story short, she ended up doing that. She ended up getting her treatment and everything taken care of. And we still are in contact. Um, I think she's on her fifth cycle. She's, you know, very sick and she doesn't feel well, but she's in high spirits. And I feel like, you know, that resource or that information probably could have saved her you know, letting her know that there's these, there's these monies that are out there that, that are specifically for individuals like her. And not a lot of people know about that. 
And we yeah. need to express yeah. that and explain to people that we don't all, we, you know, you don't have to die in pain and sorrow and feel like there's just no hope because there's programs and assistance out there that people are not aware of. I mean, I, I, I've said it a couple of times. I mean, that, that, that's just, that's so beautiful to me to hear that. Uh, Sheila, you were going to say something? I was just going to say, there's a lot of people that, um, you know, they'll think something, they'll find something wrong or something doesn't feel right, you know, in their body, they're feel a strange lump mm -hmm. or they'll, you know, not be feeling right, but they're so afraid to go to the hospital because they don't, they can't mm -hmm. afford the um, medical bill or they don't have insurance, but you know, hospitals don't put this out there because they don't want people really, you know, knowing about it, but they're not going to turn you away. And there are, you know, um, uh, indigent, what's it called? Indigent mm. programs um, that are available and, and they will also work on a sliding right. scale. So, and that needs to be People yeah, they got to talk about that. Like, that's so wrong. Yeah. So wrong. And again, for yeah. the people not checking them or not going in because of the, um, they don't have the finances or they're not, they're financially strapped, but early detection is so important. So, 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 so important. And that like, that has, it's not going to, uh, like, um, uh, it has great ability to save your life or to prolong life or to make the treatment not as rough um, if you are able to find early detection. Because if you get it in the later stages, that's just, you know, it eliminates the probability of your survivorship. So having um, the ability to be vigilant of your body and what's going on and how you're feeling and being in tune with yourself is really important. And then acting upon that is also equally as important because if you know if something is wrong but you don't do anything about it it kind of defeats the purpose of you know um finding out what's going on if you're not going to handle the situation correctly but definitely early detection is so important and that's another reason why i'm sure that i was able to to live and keep my legs because i discovered mine in 1b so it was very 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 early but by the time that was um, getting resected out and I got it removed. It was the size of a small watermelon. It was massive. It was, it was oh huge. <laughs> I couldn't walk. I couldn't, I couldn't extend my leg out. I couldn't put pressure on it. My whole entire left leg was numb. It was insane. It was huge. It was, and it was only, it had only been a couple of months, but it just rapidly was growing so fast, but I caught it at a very early stage. So I was able to keep my leg and it didn't metastasize to my brain or to my lungs or my spinal cord like it would have if I did not discover it. That's, that's awesome. And plus you're, you're very strong and you're very athletic. So um, that, that helps with the healing yes. process. But yeah, early detection because the, um, the later you wait, the more aggressive you have to go after. And that's when you really, really get mm -hmm, sick with it. Mm -hmm you know, with the camera, right. but, um, so I'm glad that, um, you're able to, to be such a, a an advocate for other people and be their light. Mm -hmm. So I want to thank you for doing that. We need more people. Of like course. You. Of course. That's my job. Mm -hmm. You know, I just got to do it. Well, yeah. Well, speaking of your job and you, you know, we've said a couple of times already, you're a cancer mm -hmm. advocate, but, uh, part of that, uh, you, 
recent it's my understanding you recently started uh sheila kind of gave a spoiler a moment ago but you recently started with a uh, bristol myers yes. squib uh mm-hmm. new career with them mm-hmm. okay uh well, what, what, uh, well, my, my, my initial question before I turn it over to you, um, is that a veteran friendly company or was this something that you sought out or they sought you out? I mean, how, how did you end up? With um, that? so I, they reached out to me, uh, it was this year, it was sometime in April <clears throat> and I had, didn't even know, uh, you know, um, that they had reached out cause the message had gone to my spam and they reached out to me through, um, Facebook. So when I finally discover it, I, I do some research on the company and figure out that it's like the number three or two um, pharmaceutical company in the world, like in the entire world. And I was like, oh my goodness, I couldn't believe it. I'm like, oh wow, this must be really something big. So then I figure out that they want to highlight my story and then um, sign a contract and do a couple of other things and later on in the future, but uh, they have this this new campaign going around. It's called uh, Survivorship. And it has, his name is, um, what is his name? Sterling K. Brown. And he is the actor off of This Is Us on ABC. So he's one of the main like spokespersons for that campaign as well. And then we're on the, the team as well with our stories. Um, so my job is just to spread awareness about Ewing sarcoma cancer, um, about my story, about how I discovered it and being a military, um, being in the military and being diagnosed with the cancer. So my job is just to um, tell my story at this point right now. And then later on, we'll have different campaigns and different events. But right now COVID is here and all of the plans that we did have have been pushed uh, to a later date. Well, for for me, well, I mean, let me, let me before I say that, you know, I mean, so far, you know, listening to you speak, you know, you're, I mean, in my opinion, you are easily a, you know, a professional level speaker, you know, you've been very, I, I've enjoyed speaking with mm-hmm. you so far. So, you know, anybody that has heard you speak, I can imagine mm-hmm. you affecting them. Now, from there, I, I really wanted to start laughing because you said the message from one of the largest pharmaceutical companies in the world went to your spam and you almost yes. missed it because of that. Yes. <laughs> I mean, that's I, with, with my twisted sense of humor. That's just something I can't help but laugh at, but I, cause I mean, one, you know, they're, they're reaching out to you through Facebook, which I mean, there's absolutely nothing wrong with, but you figure they would have another resource right. available. And then two, that you would almost I miss know. that. So, I mean, that, that's I pretty know. incredible. And as soon me. as I found out about it, I'm like, oh, so I was talking to my boyfriend. I'm like, oh my God, Bristol Myers Squibb. They're asking me questions and, you know, they want to share my story. And he's like, what? He's like, Brandy, that's a big deal. And I'm like, oh my gosh. And so they're explaining to me, hey, we went to your website, but we couldn't get a hold of you. Please hit it, you know. And then, and then they wrote me twice. The first time I didn't see it, the second time, around is when I finally realized I'm like oh my gosh and then so after that I'm like I'm like on them trying to make sure that you know I'm not missing anything and now even now I make sure I check my spam and make sure every, at least like every other day because I would have missed this opportunity and that would have just been horrible <laughs> that is just not be fun yeah but I almost did it well and yeah well and then I mean f- furthermore 
you know, th this is where I kind of, you know, you know, kiss your rear end, so to speak, because another ironic thing to me is like, you almost missed Bristol Myers squib. But when I reached out to you, I mean, <laughs> I, I, I'm just a single, I'm just a single individual that reached out to you. And, you know, we've, we've had a little trouble, you know, coordinating our schedules, but you almost instantly, I mean, I, I don't want to snap my fingers into the microphone, but, you know, this giant company couldn't get a hold of you, you know, at this at that point in time, but little old me, you know, I was able to get in touch with you almost instantly. And, you know, we've been in contact for a couple of weeks. So, I mean, you know, that, that makes me feel <laughs> that, 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 that gives me a very positive, even more of a positive image towards you because you obviously have bigger things you could do. There's obviously very important things you could be doing, but you're taking the time out of your schedule to talk to me and my, I mean, I'm, I have no delusions over what it is. It's a very small podcast right now, but you're taking time out of your schedule to talk to me and share with me and Sheila this evening. I think, I think that says a lot about you. I think that is absolutely oh, well, thank beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. I feel like I, I want to share my story with everybody. I want to, I want everybody to know. And if I can like impact somebody's life and it's just one person, that's totally fine. And if you guys take something away from this and are able to share with your family, your friends or whoever, then like my job has been done. And that's what my goal is. I just want to let people know that we're facing adversity. That's going to happen. However, life goes on and you can be, do, have whatever you like. And we are the only ones who are stopping us from being like our elite version of ourselves. Just that has to get, that message has to be out. And so I'm just grateful. I'm, I'm happy that you, you reached out to me. I, I, I would have, I will do it again. <laughs> I mean, mm -hmm. the, the honor, the honor is mine. And I, I, I'm not just, you know, making a platitude right now. It, it was, it is a true honor for you to take your time and talk to me and Thank share you. with me. And I can't, there, there is no way I can top what you just shared. So I'm going to, Sheila, is there anything you want to say before we wrap this up? <laughs> I'm just, I'm blown away by your story and, um, you are an inspiration for so many whoever listens to this i hope that they get something positive out of it because um you know it's kind of like that long or that that uh let's see for chris he would always say can't never didn't know that was you kiss you'd say can't never did nothing but um you know every time we said you know we can't or i can't do this when we were in um you know jujitsu or or you know sparring and kickboxing we'd have to do more <laughs> reps of something because we right. can't say can't you know and um somebody you know listening to somebody like you that went through so much and you know i you are somebody that never said i can't and if somebody can take that you know from you as an inspiration i mean just mm -hmm. even one person um I think that is a wonderful thing and I just want you to keep keep doing what you're doing and um you know being chosen for a, um as an ambassador for such a, a huge company is amazing. We write their wow. meds all the time. Wow. You know. <laughs> and um just to know that you're you're part of that is is really really impressive, and I'm, I hope they take good care. Yeah, of I you. I can't I am living like my dream, and I would have never known twelve years ago going through all of that stuff, and you know, cancer, and almost dying, and just 
life 12 years ago that it would have led up to here and to now and like everything now is making so much sense and I'm like okay I see why I went through that I see why um you know I had to go through these trials or tribulations or whatever it was like now it's all making sense now I feel like I have so much more purpose in my life than I did you know before because life is just so much more meaningful now but like now literally now it's everything is falling into place and it's uh it's amazing it's amazing I'm so grateful so grateful for everything that's happening and just so humbled by everything it's like when you reached out to me to do this podcast I'm like wow (laughs) I'm like what he wants to talk to me I'm like oh my god that's so cool I'm so excited like I can't wait like I'm just I'm so honored and so happy that people just want to hear what I have to say and I you know and I just I just want to express the gratitude and let people know that there's so much more to life than what happened in the past and that we can do be and have whatever we like. I think there's so many people that are they feel kind of lost so they when they can find somebody to give them some direction um you know that can make all the difference in the it world really it can, can change your life. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm I'm again I thank you for for of being course. That thank person. you guys. Yeah. I hope we can do some more of these. Yes. This is great. <laughs> well, I, you know, if, if you, you, you better mean it oh, when I you do. say that, because I, I tend to be a puppy dog. You're like, Oh, she Me said too. it. I'm going to, like that too. I, am, I will, <laughs> I will definitely reach out to you I in know. the future. My boyfriend Everybody. always tells I me I live in a sales rep because I bother people so much. I'm like, Oh, not, I mean a bill collector, <laughs> not a, sales rep, a bill collector. He's like, God, you're on them like yeah. a bill collector. I'm like, they said so. So I, I mean it 100%. Well, I I truly thank you for your time. This has truly been an honor for me. Um, Sheila, you know, she's very, she thinks she's very shy, but she's been participating and she's been smiling the whole time. Aww. She's been talking to you. I I can't thank you enough. I will definitely be in touch with you. I will turn it over to you for the last word. All right. Well, last word is um, everybody be safe out there. Um, Let's not take life for granted and always live in the moment of being grateful. And uh, thank you so much for having me today or this evening. And I look forward to our next talk. Thank you. you, Have a great day. Great night. Brandy. Thank you. Brandy L. Benson, everybody. Wonderful human being. Good night. Thank you, ma'am. Good night. Bye.